0: Let's get to our first article. This one is about childhood arthritis. uh, And it's the term used to describe all instances of pain and inflammation of joints in children. And it usually affects children aged 16 and below. I mean, I didn't know that children can get arthritis as well. So how do we differentiate between children's regular, you know, growing pains and all that and arthritis in children?
1: When uh, children or, uh, you know, adolescents come to us with joint pains, I think we really have to look uh, very simple growing pains and which is what most common thing mm. you know, when they're growing, they can have bone pains and eggs, but there'll be no other symptoms, you know, there'll be no other signs as such as when you look at juvenile, juvenile arthritis or juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, it's exactly like the adult one, get swelling of the joint, tenderness, they can even have the symptoms like fever. Malaise, tiredness, nausea, things like, you know, that are really uh, symptoms that, you know, and uh, the joints are actually swollen and tender and they are painful, right? And they can have things like morning stiffness. So just like the adult's uh, arthritis. And of course, the blood tests show a lot of inflammation. So definitely there are two different, uh, you know, doctors will easily be able to diagnose someone with juvenile arthritis compared to someone in growing pains.
0: Okay, so there's a special uh, pediatric doctor to... Treat juvenile arthritis?
1: Well, this normally be sent to a rheumatologist. Okay. Once once you're diagnosed as arthritis, uh, juvenile arthritis, normally the rheumatologist will take over. Uh, And uh, even as adults, we refer to rheumatologists. Same with the pediatricians, they refer to rheumatologists because Mm. this is a long term disease and these children will become adults. So the rheumatologists have to manage them for the long term.
0: Are most of these children born with this disease? I think
1: it's again uh, something that comes up later in life. Uh, whether we are genetically prone, whether with all autoimmune disease, whether there's some genes that play a role or something that triggers off this arthritis, uh, we don't know. Mm. Uh, But like all autoimmune disease, some people will get this uh, disease, whether it's uh, rheumatoid arthritis or systemic lupus erythromatosis, which also can occur in children. So any of this autoimmune disease can come in. Why some get, I think it's definitely something to do with your, your hereditary plus your factors of maybe some lifestyle that triggers you down. Know. So basically if my parents have it, I will get it as a child. Not, is that not necessary? Not necessary. These are not uh, inherited disorders. these are just genetic effects that can.
0: So is the treatment same for adults and children? For yeah, arthritis?
1: I think, yeah, I suppose the uh, treatment will be still the same, you know, whether they use uh, anti-inflammatory drugs and whether they use disease-modifying drugs.
0: Now, this next article is very interesting. It's actually a news article about how this mother who contracted COVID-19 gave birth to a baby and now this baby has the COVID-19 antibodies. And only a couple of babies who have been born of mothers who were infected with the virus are born with this COVID-19 Antibodies. I guess the question here is, why aren't all babies whose mothers are infected have the antibodies?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question, and I think right now I think no one knows. So a lot of research going to be going on to see why you know whether the actually the virus can keep pass through the, the placental and uh, go to the baby, and that's how the baby got the antibodies, and whether some did not. So that's why the baby did not get the antibodies, and whether these antibodies are they protective to the baby, and. Yes, for how long? Mm. Can this antibody that's protective to the baby, can it be used to treat other people yeah. so that they can also get the antibody? So a lot of questions we don't know. And I think very new, very interesting. And uh, I think the, I heard I saw an article where Singapore is really looking at uh, mothers with COVID and how it will affect the baby, and whether their baby will have antibodies, and whether be protective, how long that protection. So all this, I think, is... Uh, Something we have to wait and see over the next few months, see what the results are.
0: How do they check for these antibodies in babies, Doctor?
1: Test. Even even all of us, you can check your antibodies also. Oh uh, see whether you've been exposed because we might be actually exposed and not know we've got antibodies it's a blood test to check for antibodies. So okay. in fact, some people are saying that when the vaccine comes, whether you should check your antibody first and if you already have that no point of the vaccine. So things like that. So this will be something that'll be that will be, I think everyone is gonna discuss and see we should be looking at our antibodies right?
0: earlier you touched on as well how how possibly we can you know harness this antibodies and use it for other family members or something right just like yeah. how stem cells you can actually take right. from the babies and then use it for, I mean, that's, for that's other a, other issues yeah, usage. Yeah, I think that's what they were
1: looking at the plasma of patients who were infected whether when they had antibodies whether can okay, you see for patients who were having serious uh, Disease, but so far they have not really come out and say whether it works. Last so okay,
0: mm-hmm. but the question remains, Doctor Rajbans. You said it l- the last time already. When the vaccine comes out, will you take the
1: vaccine? Yeah. I think I will do my antibody test first and see. <laughs> <I'm experiencing. laughs> we will take that as a no. Okay.
0: <laughs> no. Every two weeks, I will ask you the same question. We will see whether <laughs> it changes. <laughs> This next one uh, would surprise a lot of coffee drinkers. like' is not excited. About this. <laughs> I'm not really excited because I don't <laughs> drink coffee, but it turns out coffee packs some surprising health benefits. Uh, according to this article, coffee is actually good for health. So, doctor, how true is this? how How does coffee benefit our body?
1: Coffee, just like uh, you know, like tea, there is some antioxidants, and uh, but it all depends on the people who. Uh, what, what we have discovered now is that they are, you know, we call people who are, can metabolize the uh, coffee very fast, they are uh, able to detoxify coffee very fast and there are certain gene variants. People who have that variant where they can toxify or detoxify their coffee very fast actually have get, or get all the health benefits of uh, coffee. For example, the coffee is taken in, you feel the stimulant effect, your mind, your mind suddenly gets more alert, you, you know, wake up, you get a bit more energetic, and it's got all this antioxidant effect, and then the coffee gets uh, detoxified, and, uh, you know, and it's uh, excreted from the body, so people like that actually do benefit from coffee, now, they also found that people with different variants who cannot do that, these are people who actually find the side effects of coffee, where they find that they get um, palpitations, they feel a bit uh, not able to sleep, you know, all the, all the side effects that uh, people who, You know, Sally said that coffee actually makes them feel worse. Uh, So these are people who can't uh, break down the coffee fast enough. So I think you yourself have to be the judge, you know. Uh, And uh, some people get away with one or two cups. They have no problems. But if you find that you are the type that, uh, you know, take coffee and you even if you take it in the morning and you still can't sleep at night, then you better stay away from coffee.
0: How many cups of coffee is too much a day, doctor? I mean, the
1: benefits that uh, people say, the benefits is about two cups, you know. Uh, and people who can't detoxify, they shouldn't take more than one or two cups. Whereas uh, those who can and have no problem taking coffee, they don't have any the effects, they can even take up to three or four. But Dr. <laughs> Rajpand, every time I read about intermittent fasting, mm. they say you can drink as
0: much coffee as you want, um, just don't put sugar in it. Is there something about weight loss in coffee Uh, it's a
1: stimulant so you can uh, burn out increases your metabolic rate you know just like green tea you know does does increase your metabolic rate but uh, I think if you intermittent fasting you should not have the sugar just pure black coffee or green tea no sugar once you have sugar then you're no more fasting
0: this final article is all about fatty liver doctor so what is fatty liver basically
1: it's a name for what we call inflammation of the liver so basically your liver is getting inflamed now the commonest cause of fatty liver those days was alcohol but now it's been overtaken by metabolic fatty liver it's the inflammation of the liver that's because of too much of uh, intake of refined carbohydrates, saturated fats that causes this will proceed on if you don't do anything the inflammation can lead on to fibrosis and ultimately cirrhosis and can that can lead on to cancer of the liver Mm. right so in the early stages where fatty liver is still Mm. under inflammation you can reverse it and basically it's a lifestyle so it's part of the full metabolic syndrome Uh, you know the things where you start putting on weight in the middle of your tummy uh, your insulin level goes up which will later lead on to diabetes, obesity is part of the syndrome. Then You get hypertension, high cholesterol, things like high uric acid, and all these things will, you know, can also lead on to heart attacks and strokes. Early symptoms are like fatty liver is uh, part of the weight that you're gonna have. Uh, and the weight like, is
0: only in the stomach area, is it? Most
1: likely is in the, most of the time it's in the stomach area.
0: So people with like big bellies. Then, right. then it's quite dangerous for them, is it?
1: More dangerous than just uh, someone who's overall overweight, you know. So someone, you know, looks thin but it's got a lot of belly fat, it's actually more of a metabolic syndrome and that's more dangerous. So symptoms like nausea, tiredness, you know, bad breath, difficult to lose weight, uh, you know, all these things are platelets, all these things can be just part of the whole metabolic uh, fatty liver. Right? So these are some of the symptoms you have. Uh, so like people with alcoholic fatty liver, they also have all the same things. What it basically shows is that their liver is not doing the work properly. Mm. Liver itself not functioning. A liver is a very important organ for detox. It's right? so not going to be able to detox well. So it's a vicious cycle, no more toxins in the body, uh, insulin goes up. Again, you're taking the wrong foods that are also full of toxins. So it's a vicious cycle that ultimately leads to all this syndrome of all these many diseases.
0: Okay. But what are our treatment options if we're diagnosed with fat liver?
1: Lifestyle, you know, completely cutting off your refined carbs, cut off all your fried saturated fats. Uh, that means all the sugar foods, exercise will help reducing stress. So it's really a lifestyle thing. Of course, there are people who take supplements that are mm. that will support the liver. But basically, the focus is still on lifestyle. We want to reverse that uh the, the, while it's in the inflammation stage Once it's in the fibrosis stage Your liver is already damaged And then you can't reverse that And that will fo- go on to cirrhosis And all the other problems um, But so, then you need yeah. a liver transplant then Is that yeah. oh. The uh, ultimate thing is liver transplant
0: So is it as easy as getting your blood checked as well For fatty liver?
1: Mm. Now, now they do things like uh, your Ultrasounds or fibroscans You should pick it up earlier than the blood test By the time you see the blood inflammation is already showing that uh, is quite affected. Most of the time you pick it up before the blood test even shows that through these scans,